Hey guys, Riley here from Podgy.co, here with the latest episode of the Podcasters Podcast. Glad you could join us. Let's jump right in. Today, we're talking about what effects chains you should put on your master bus. And we're doing this because if you Google audio mastering, you'll undoubtedly come across dozens upon dozens of sites calling mastering the dark art of audio production. Uh, to a large extent, this is hyperbolic, but does highlight that mastering for music is never a one-size-fits-all approach. Mastering for podcasts is significantly less complex than mastering for music because seldom are there different pieces of audio interacting with each other. So think about it. In a song, you normally have drums, bass, guitar, synths, vocals, all playing at the same time. They all have to sound cohesive, but also individually they have to be articulate. So you have to you have to be able to pick out, oh, there's the bass part. There's that synth line I like. There's Celine Dion singing about how her heart will go on. However, in a podcast, rarely are there ever more than two to three audio cues playing at once. So you might have like two people talking over each other, you talking over your intro music, maybe a sound cue with two people talking to each other. That's that's about the extent of how we need to glue things together, as it were, on our master bus. And so the way we've written our complete guide to podcast editing sets up our tracks so that almost no effects on the master track are needed. Each of our voice tracks have effects on them that bring them in level with each other, meaning that we're only relying on our master bus to control times when more than one person is speaking and to bring up the level by a decibel to compensate for any loss of volume from our multiband compressors, which we talked about last episode. And so to achieve this, we're going to do two things. We first have to add one final instance of re-X comp at relatively high thresholds and low ratios. Basically at this step, you could even just use a regular compressor at like, you know, negative... 4 dB or something like that, and just knocking off two decibels of volume, so ratio of 2 to 1. And all we're trying to do with this is mitigate the increase of volume anytime two people are speaking over each other, or if there's like a thump or other sound that slipped through our editing. So that's all we're trying to do. And then we couple that with a limiter, which is a compressor with an infinite to 1 ratio. So this means anytime the threshold is hit, no amount of increase in the input volume will cause the output to rise. So I could raise the volume by 100 decibels and the limiter is not going to let it go past its threshold. And so this limiter is our last line of defense against unforeseen audio events. Anything that we missed, you know, podcast scheduling is, you know, you record on Monday, you're editing it on Tuesday because it has to be out on Wednesday. It's, it's always very tight. So sometimes things slip through the cracks and that's why we've got this limiter here. However, because the ratio is so extreme, we only want our limiter working in circumstances in which any further increase in volume would be detrimental to the listener experience. So in theory, we could use a limiter to compress all of our audio at a ridiculously low threshold and add gain as we needed to to level out the podcast. So have everybody at a threshold of negative 19 dB to hit that luffs with a infinite to one ratio. But this is going to make our podcast sound ridiculously bad and we're going to lose all dynamics. We don't want to do that. We want to come by our leveling out of audio much more natural way. Instead, because our peaks for negative 19 luffs should be around negative 6 dB, I like to set a limiter at around negative 3 decibels. This way, there is an appreciable increase in volume when people start talking over each other, but not so much that the listeners are constantly having to adjust their volume. And this goes to how decibels work. You might be thinking, uh, there's only a three decibel difference between what I'm setting my limiter at and zero decibels. Does that really matter? However, you have to remember that the perceived loudness of an audio source doubles every 10 decibels. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio. So a noise floor of negative 20 dB is actually twice as loud as a noise floor of negative 30 dB. 
Similarly, in this case, an increase of six decibels, so from our peaks at negative six and we let it go all the way up to zero, would be a 50% increase in perceived volume, as opposed to an only 23% increase in perceived volume if we set our limiter at negative three dB. So I don't know about you, but if I'm listening to a podcast and one person is consistently 50% louder than the other person, I'm usually going for that skip button. But like at 20 decibels, you can sort of hear when two people talk over each other. It sounds like the volume gets appreciably louder, but not so loud that you're trying to pull out earbuds or reaching for the volume button, you know? All this being said, I can't reiterate enough that the master bus is not where we want to be fixing audio problems. If you're having an issue that someone is too quiet in the mix, or if there's problems with noise or interference, trying to fix that by applying effects to the master bus is a bit like using a sledgehammer because you misplace your scalpel. Yes, you will eventually get into the body, but you'll just have made a mess of everything. This is one of my darker metaphors, and I apologize. But for podcasting, the purpose of Master Effects is less to glue everything together, which is what you'll see a lot of people say online when they're talking about music. And it's very true. You need to glue everything together. But we're more here in podcasting. We're safeguarding against hurting our listeners' ears. We want to make sure that we're not blowing out anybody's eardrums. So it's not as sexy, and you're not going to get as many write-ups about your vintage limiter that you bought for $10,000 that the Beatles used, but keeping things as simple and level will give you some very happy fans. Another thing that will give you some very happy fans is coming over to podg.co and checking out our podcast editing guide. If you're one of these people who likes to do them themselves, and I think, you know, podcasters are by and large like 95% all DIYers, come over, check out our podcast editing guide. It's going to save you so much time. If you're an Audacity person, if you're using GarageBand, you're, you're spending a lot of time that you don't have to when you're editing. And our guide shows you the quickest way to start compressing all the most common actions that you take into single button presses. So like these days when I'm editing a podcast, I'm barely looking down at my keyboard or searching through menus. I'm using three fingers and that's about it. That does 95% of what I'm doing in my podcast. It's a great setup. It gets the turnaround rate down from like four to six minutes per minute of audio down to like two, maybe. It's great. You'll love it. It'll save you so much time. I really encourage you to check it out. But this has been our Master Effects episode of the Podcasters Podcast. Like I said, next week I'm taking the week off from the Podcasters Podcast to research my audio restoration guide for free so we can get that up as soon as possible because I know a lot of you are probably thinking, Okay, well, I'm following all these tips, but still my tracks are noisy. Well, we're going to fix that soon. It'll be going up next week. And for the Podcasters Podcast, we're going to be running our complete guide to per-track effects. So everything from EQ to compression to de-essers to multiband compressors. So you listen to it all in one go and get ready to just start improving your podcast. So I won't see you next week, but I'll see you the week after. But uh, once again, thanks for tuning in. I've been Riley. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.